Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the Batter's Box on WNSP Now. We're broadcasting from WNSP Studio on Dolphin Street in Mobile, Alabama. We're back for our 23rd show, and we will be live on Wednesday, tomorrow night at 5.30, so tune in, and you'll hear 30 minutes of live coverage by the Batter's Box. So I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in and continue to tune in, and you can you can hear all our all our shows, we've got all 22 of them, all 23 of them after this one online, and, and you can hear some of the best guests out of Mobile that have taken the time to, to spend time with us on the Batters Box. And tonight we got an, a really great guest, and he's my co-host tonight. His name's Shane Hale, and Shane's out of Loosedale, Mississippi, uh, a 1987 graduate, I believe. 86. 86 graduate. He played at South Alabama 1988 through, eight, through 90. Uh, played in the Baltimore Orioles organization for seven years and and was was an outstanding pitcher and he's done so much other things in, in his life and and including uh, starring in a in a in the movie Major League Two and and that came out in 1989 and he's going to talk a lot about that tonight and we're going to talk about George the George County Rebels and their baseball program and some of the players and the families that have come out from there and 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 so much more and and. For the people that are on Shane's website or his Facebook page, uh, I hope you tune into this because we all know how inspirational Shane has been on his Facebook page. And what I like about Shane and, and how he delivers his messages on his Facebook page is he's a realist. And, you know, he's he's been through it just like most everybody. And he just tells it like it is. He, he tells it like, you know, he tells you to get in the boat and, and do your part. From nose to toes, Shane Hale. Thanks for coming on, and it's, thank, it's thank, glad to have you. Thank man. you for having me. Thank you for having me, man. I tell you, it's 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 you know, having baseball players down here is is is, is the coolest thing. I mean, and and you know, for, and the ones that will come down here into the studio and spend time is is, is an awesome thing. So again, I thank you. I want to I want to before we get into the Shane, because we got a lot to cover with Shane. I want to talk a little bit about about our, our, our local baseball, start off with local baseball, and then talk a little bit about Major League Baseball. Not a whole lot. We all know that the All-Star game is tonight. Last night was a home run derby. And I'm not a big fan of that. I, I, I come from old school back in the 60s when Hank Aaron would, would go up against Harmon Killebrew on a on a uh, Florida State League baseball field, and they they play outs and stuff like that, and they didn't serve up, you know, home runs for – 460 feet, you know, minimum and stuff like they do. But anyway, I'm not being critical. It's it's fun for the fans, and the All Star game should be a really good game tonight. But but anyway, in the Major League Draft, which started it started last night, and the first 10 picks were 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 really unreal. You had four right-handed pitchers, four outfielders, a shortstop, and a catcher to go in the first 10 players picked. Of course, four of them were high school players. LSU had the first two picks, and there were four Southeastern Conference players picked, and and the slot money for these guys uh, is pushing around. I didn't, I tried to do the math, but it was just too many numbers, and it was around seventy million that these guys are going to be offered just the first ten players, and you know Paul Skeens out of LSU was the first player picked. He, he started out with Air Force for his couple of first couple of years and then then he went on to LSU and he was just amazing had a game where he was where he threw 46 pitches over 100 miles an hour he even hit 13 home runs and and he's going to try to go to the big leagues as a pitcher 
and a hitter. And uh, believe me, folks, he could be there. Uh, Pittsburgh is is playing good ball. That's who he was drafted by. And, you know, he could be up in the major leagues by, by September. I honestly feel that, and so do a lot of the experts. Dylan Cruz, his teammate, who was projected to be the first player chosen as well, was taken by the Washington Nationals. Hey, great job, Danny Jennings. Man, y'all did good, man. Y'all need him too, brother. But anyway, uh, Dylan Cruz, uh, I think he reached base a record 75 consecutive games, and he's he's signed to the tune of $8,988,500 if he signs. Skeens, Skeens went for $9,721,000 if he signs. And then Max Clark was number three. Wyatt Lankford of Florida was number four. Uh, Rhett Louder of Wake Forest was the number seven pick. Chase Dolander of Tennessee, right-handed pitcher, was the number nine pick. And those were the, the, the top players chosen. And Mobile, Alabama, going all the way to Mary Montgomery, is, which is where Nick Burroughs, Nick Burroughs, that was an old runner I was uh, used to compete against many, many years ago. Uh, Nick Wiggins, our our producer, I want to thank Nick for, for doing all he does behind the glass there. But Nick is a Mary Montgomery grad and, and, a, and a player that was five years behind him. Tucker Musgrove, Coach Barry Hightower, I know he's proud of this, and Coach John Seymour out at University of Mobile are very proud, and Mobile, Alabama are very proud of Tucker Musgrove was chosen in the seventh round today by the San Diego Padres. He was the number 221st player chosen, and congratulations, Tucker Musgrove. Uh, coincidentally, Shane Hale, back in 1990, you were the seventh, in the seventh round, the yep. 203rd player pick by the Baltimore Orioles, who are having an outstanding season. And we'll talk a little bit about Major League Baseball. Our, I say our Atlanta Braves. I came up a Pittsburgh Pirates fan until the 90s when I got all over the Atlanta Braves like everybody else did in this area. They're, they're, they're hosting, boasting the best record in baseball, 60-29. and 29. And some of the other contenders with at least 50 wins behind Atlanta, if you're looking in a pennant race at the All-Star break, you're looking at Tampa Bay, 58 wins, the Baltimore Orioles, which hadn't been there in so long, and and we got a representative with Shane here tonight. They've got 54 wins. Another surprising team, the Miami Marlins, have 53 wins. Texas has 52. Arizona, 52 wins. L.A. Dodgers, 51 wins. The Cincinnati Reds, I'm glad to see them. Houston Astros and Toronto Blue Jays all have 50 wins. So those are your 10 teams that are in contention at the All-Star break. And I, I want to mention Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson, this past week, hit his 10th home run. But he he, he set a record, uh, not a desirable record, but it's interesting. Josh, by reaching those 10 home runs, did it with only 15 hits, 14 hits. And that's pretty good. That That's 10 home runs, three singles and a double. And, but uh, Josh is ripping it when he gets a hold to it. And the other player... To do that, the other two players to do a little bit better than that at 15 hits and 10 home runs was Luis Gonzalez from over at South Alabama where Shane played and Mike Schmidt, a great third baseman who was a Hall of Famer and a lot of favorites for everybody. What a power here he was. But I picked out three players who were very interesting uh, up until the All-Star break. And 
and they, they're, it's, it's, it's really good baseball that they're playing. Ronald Lacuna with the Atlanta Braves, the 25-year-old, is hitting 331. He's leading the, the league of the, the big leagues with 79 runs scored, 167 times on base. And he's hitting 331 with 21 home runs, 41 stolen bases. He's already got one side of the 40-40. And he should be able to hit 40 home runs if he stays healthy. And that will be a major, major accomplishment. And I, I'll tell you, I think he's got a chance at 50-50. So uh, we'll just see how hot he stays in the second half. And those Atlanta Braves set a record with 167 home runs before the All-Star break. Unbelievable. And the last player, and the second player I want to highlight is Shohei Otani. What a player at 28 years old. He's leading the big leagues with a 663 slugging percentage, 53 extra base hits, set 32 home runs. Along with those 32 home runs, he's hitting 302, 15 doubles, six triples, and 11 stolen bases, and 71 RBIs. Then when he toes the rubber, he's 7 and 4 with a 3.32 ERA and 132 strikeouts. He's just an exciting player. And he's, he's, he's got a chance at uh, 50 home runs and possibly 60. And then the third player, uh, 21 year old Ellie De La Cruz. He's hitting 325 for the Cincinnati Reds, and he can keep those Reds going, you know, trying to win that division or at least make a wild card to get the playoffs. But what the guy's done at 6'5", 200 pounds, shortstop third baseman, doesn't look like one, but he plays like a, a, a an old-time player. He's a throwback player. And he's 41 for 126 because he hasn't been up long. He's hit for the cycle uh, just a la- last week or a couple of weeks ago earlier – or last week, he stole second, stole third, and stole home all at the same time. It's on my Facebook page. You need to check it out, Mobile Baseball Connection, all the good baseball you want to see, plus other good stuff. Check out Shane Hale's Facebook page, Shane Hale, that's S-H-A-N-E-H-A-L-E, and you will find some inspirational stuff. And with De La Cruz, again, Nine doubles, four home runs, 16 RBIs. He's 16 of 18 and stolen bases. Look for those three players the rest of the season. And like I mentioned before, the home run derby, the all-star game, major league draft, Tucker Musgrove, college world series. Uh, we did not, we did not have a show last week because we, we were, we were celebrating independence day, the 4th of July, but we didn't do be able to do a, uh, flashback on the College World Series, but the first 13 games were 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 decided by one run. The pitching was great, and you had three of the best hitting teams ever in Florida, LSU, and Wake Forest. And Wake Forest, uh, who I wanted to win because of my brother Josh Gunther out of Bayside Academy, signed with them. Uh, they they didn't make it, but LSU and Florida had a great series. LSU won the first game in the, in the by walk off home run by a guy named. Tommy White, who uh, who is uh, is just an awesome player. He hit 27 home runs for North Carolina State to set a freshman record. Then he transferred to LSU and he and he and he hit over not drove in over 100 runs and 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 then the second game of the championship series, World Series, Florida set a record, crushing LSU 24 to four. They 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 set a record for most runs in a game. And every it, it just pointed to you know, Florida was unbeatable. I mean, come on. And then the the World Series championship game, LSU eighteen, 
Florida Four. So, so LSU is your uh, national champions for the seventh time. They move into second place in sole possession with seven national championships. Of course, Rod Dido's USC Trojans have won 12. So there you go. That was Joey Warner in the catcher's corner. And now we're going to talk with Shane Hale. Shane, I finally got to you, brother. I'm going to understand what you're saying. All right, brother. But anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed that report. And uh, there's so much more to say about Major League Baseball and college baseball and our high school baseball. And it's summer league time. But but we're, we're going to talk with Shane Hale now. And I want to give you a little background about Shane. Shane's a 1986 graduate from George County, Mississippi High School. They're the George County Rebels. We were the Shaw Rebels, uh, uh, Shane. So we got a lot in common there. And believe it or not, my mother was uh, uh, grew up in Richton, Mississippi, and she was a Richton Rebel. And and th- that was that's just popular. it's incredible for me. But um, but anyway, Shane went on to play. I'm sure he had an outstanding seas- seasons as a high school player at at George County. Then he went on to to play baseball, pitch for the USA Jags in 1988, 89, and 1990. Believe it or not, I did the numbers just a little while ago. Y'all won 129 games and lost 64 in those three years. And you played around some outstanding future major leaguers. Mm-hmm. And and Shane, uh, his best year was 1990, where he was 9-3 and three with a 310 ERA, five complete games, which is unheard of in today's game, uh, 104 innings pitch and 103 strikeouts. Good ratio there, buddy. And then Shane was drafted in the seventh round by the Baltimore Orioles in 1990, number two, 203. He spent seven years in their organization and, and, and did some outstanding things, had 334 career strikeouts, 406.2 innings pitched. But, uh, and then Shane, as, as, as in 1989, appeared and starred in the movie Major League Two, and we're going to talk a lot about that. And you, uh, I inspire listeners to go online and watch this movie on YouTube, rent it, do whatever you got, go out and buy it. And, you know, Shane will tell you about, he'll be the one that's not wearing a hat. He'll tell us about that <laughs> later. But anyway, uh, Shane, Shane's lived a life just like most baseball players have, uh, having fun, doing stuff, growing up. That's what we do. And, you know, he wasn't the perfect player or the perfect individual. Neither was I. Neither was most of our listeners. But that's just life. But but Shane has a message, all sorts of messages, that he's going to leave with us tonight. And, again, you can go to his Facebook page, and it's all over that. He, he, he has videos, and, and he's just totally inspirational. He's some kind of cook, too. I'll tell you that right now. But, I, got, I got a limited menu, though. <laughs> so, anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. All right, uh, so with all that said, Shane, let, let's start out from, from the beginning. Uh, let's, let's go back to Loosedale, and, and what, what got you started in baseball? Uh, well, really, that was about the only sport I was good at. Um, I, was, I was not the biggest kid in town. I was, I was uh, very slow to mature. I was um, just thin and small, but I had a, I had a good arm, and I could throw the ball not necessarily harder than anybody else could, but I could throw it further, it seemed like. And uh, my dad was an athlete. He played football at Southern Miss. He was a kicker. And he was also Mississippi's back of the year, the high school back of the year, whatever year he graduated, 66 or 7, I'm not sure what it was. So he was – that's a big shoes to fill there. So I always aspired to be, you know, like any kid does. You want to be like your dad, right? 
And uh, but baseball is the only place I really excelled. Um, I, I never pursued basketball. I was too little for football. And back when I was a kid, those were your three choices: softball. I'm sorry, baseball, football, basketball. I mean, these days you've got soccer. You've got, I mean, uh, what all they play these days? I mean, it's it's um, badminton, archery. I mean, it's checkers, badminton, checkers, <laughs> tic tac toe. Yeah, yeah. There just seems to be more stuff to do. But back in you know, back in those days, that was you had your three core sports. And I just I was I I enjoyed playing baseball. Loved playing baseball. Um, and I took the pitching right away once we went to got past T ball. We didn't have coach pitch back then. You just had to find somebody to throw it across the plate, which I was never really good at. <laughs> as long as I played, I got better. Um, but it, it's just it was the sport that I excelled at. And and as time went by, that's just what I focused on. Um, but I had a lot of help. It wasn't like I was a one man show. I mean, I had a my, my stepdad was a tremendous and still is a tremendous baseball fan. So he he coached me pretty much every year. I was fortunate to have my dad, who who was into weights and and lifting and the strength side, which was not something that that pitchers pursued at all back when we played. It was just taboo. You weren't supposed to touch a weight. Well, I, I learned that the stronger I got, the better pitcher I was, the harder I threw. So I had dad from that aspect. Of course, my mom was behind the scenes raising me and three other sons, and I don't know how in the world she did it because I only have three, and it takes everything in me. That had a huge support structure, and um. It just uh, they got me the right place, right time. But you couldn't leave. You couldn't leave George County in a baseball scholarship back then. Uh, it was they've got a great program today. Brandon Davis has been the coach there for years. Uh, Scott Bray, another South Alabama legend, and my old, old sweetmate. He uh, he 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 left South and ended up at, in George County for a short time, and and coached there before he went on to on to Leakesville. But uh, the program really took off, and it was just because you had the talent was always there, and it was people would actually laugh at me when I told them I wanted to play professional baseball I and mean, I really believed it. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it's, you know, kids want to be policemen and astronauts and whatever else. And to have this little, little, you know, twig of a kid, so I can be a professional baseball player was you know, probably kind of comical, but I, I really, as crazy as it sounds, I'd I never, um, I never, I never doubted that I was going to, I believed it. And you know, looking back now, I thought, where did that belief come from? Uh, I, you know, I just I, I believed it would, and did not get any offers out of high school at all. Uh, even though I struck out 156 hitters in 97 innings my last two years, mm-hmm. nobody called. Um, Southern Miss came to watch me play one game because my stepdad had called him and said, "Hey, you should come look at this kid." They did. They watched me throw about an inning and a half and threw their radar gun back in the car and drove back to Hattiesburg. So you don't throw hard enough, <laughs> 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 which at the time I didn't. So I had a really good knuckleball back then. Um, but I left. George County after my senior year I was going to walk on Mississippi State and I came and played at Westside and um, there was a couple of umpires that were South Alabama players I didn't know that had a pretty good year at Westside and everybody know Mobile knows where Westside is is in you know, West Mobile and uh, one of the um, one of the one of the umps mentioned to Coach Kittrell that hey y'all come check this left-handed kid out and so I made the All-Star team and they were playing the All-Star games Doug Perry actually. Was uh was the umpire? You probably know Doug. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Doug until years. I didn't know until years later until Facebook came around who the person was. I made the comment on Facebook one day that you know one of the umpires made a comment to Coach Kittrell and Doug like that was me. So I had you know I, it took that long to find out who it was. Um, but Kit came and saw me play. I had a couple of pretty good innings and he offered me a piece of a scholarship and um, I took it and it kind of went from there. Uh, I, I wasn't an immediate success, but any stretch of imagination, red shirt of my first year. Um, the next year, my real freshman, my freshman year, I had uh, 17 innings total, 
And basically, when they wanted to, to save a real pitcher for a real game, they'd throw me out there and try to get a couple innings out of me. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't a lot of help, man. Um, but by the third year, when, when I came back, I put about 40 pounds on and kind of going through that, that mental phase where you go from being a, a kid to being a, you know, somewhat of a man and my whole mentality changed and fastball showed up. I got a little mean and um, started striking people. I heard walking people too. Did you know, you know I'm the actual, to this day, I am the all-time walks leader for South Alabama. I've seen that. I've I did that. not know that like a decade ago. I was reading a um, uh, what do you call the the, the the guide, the media guide, right? And I'm reading through this because they had they had a, they had a strikeout column for a guy that struck out over 100 people in the season. Well, I wasn't in there. I'm like, hang on a minute. Why am I, why am I not? I'm proud of that. Um, but I got to reading on, and it said all time walks leader Shane Hale. I'm like, holy cow! I had no idea I'll track that. But I don't know what the number is. It's just it's it's. I full. think it's 170. It's a bunch. Yeah, but but I wasn't going to mention that. But hey, it, you know it's a record. It's, it's a you bunch. Know, I mean, walks are part of the game, and you know I think you actually have a single game record too. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, I've got well, me and Scott. But there's actually a couple. Of, there's a couple of records that um, none of them I'm overly proud of. <laughs> this one I kind of am. Um, but Scott Bray and I teamed up for a one hitter in a Sun Belt Conference championship game well some conference tournament game we're playing in jacksonville i think we're playing the team out of north carolina i can't remember who it was it doesn't matter um but it was back-to-back games for 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 several days well the the, the hole where the pitchers lands at was just a man it was just a cavern I mean, it was just a it was just it was full of sand and when you'd hit your foot would slide i didn't have great control anyway and so all of a sudden now we're throwing on this mound that you know just is, is less than ideal to say the least and i just i had a hard time finding the plate but also had a hard time they had a hard time getting hit. And so I had a no hitter going into the eighth inning and I'd walk 10. So I've walked 10 guys and I've got a no hitter going. And I thought a lot of pitches and coach Powell, I'd come in after every inning. Don't take me out. Don't you take me out. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't, cause my pitch count was getting up there. And uh, it, it, the game wasn't in the bag. It was a reasonably close ball mm-hmm. game. It was still a ball game. And so I think with, I think with one out in the ninth or nobody out in the ninth, dude hit a flare over second base. For a, for, a, for a hit. It was an obvious hit. And before the ball even hit the ground, I think CP was coming out of the dugout pointing to the bullpen. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's get him out of here. And Scott came in and struck out three guys. Boom, boom, boom. Wow. So we, we combined for a for a one hitter in the in the in the conference tournament, which was a record for least number of hits. But also I walked ten in that ball game. Um Scott walked none, as usual. He just threw the ball across the plate. So that I think that record might still stand too. Well, you so. know, I saw uh, I watched Phil Necro in Fulton County Stadium Throw a no hitter, and he had eight walks. You know, but you, he had that knuckleball. Knuckle and you mentioned yeah. you, you were a southpaw, right? Yeah. And you yeah. and I, I always said I've got three grandsons, and any any of them end up left handed. I, I, you need to teach him how to throw a knuckleball. I'm gonna come find you. I can do it. <laughs> you know, because takes time. You know, a lefty with a knuckle. I mean, I love that man. Well, here, here's the crazy thing about that. I learned to throw that. Nobody taught me how. I was probably literally 13 years old. So go, I mean, go find a 13 year old. Look how big the 13 year old hands are I mean I was an average size kid at 13 I wasn't you know this, this big kid but I just started throwing it and I have I would hold it with the ends of my fingers you got big hands man. I gotta do it now I do now but I'd hold the ends of my fingers but I would drop I, I finally learned to drop my arm down I would roll my wrist over and I, I remember the first one I threw that didn't move I'm like holy cow it didn't move it just boom, floated in there but that's where I could I could as long as it's rolling frontwards you're going to get some drop on it so once I got to I could roll it frontwards, it was I was good. I mean, how many thirteen year olds have a knuckleball? I mean, nobody did. And the more I threw it, it took a whole summer to learn how to throw it. It really did. 
but uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's a great lesson of if, if you want to teach yourself to do something, you can do it. Because nobody told me I throw a knuckleball. I just got there and threw it. And people have asked me, how did you learn to throw a knuckleball? I threw it. I just threw it and threw it and threw it until I could do it. And that pitch is what struck so many people out in high school. I didn't throw overly hard in high school. I've had about 80, 80, 81 on the ray gun in high school on a good day, which is add three or four to that. So you'd be 84, 85. Mm-hmm. But my knuckleball was what, was what really – you know, I got a lot, of, a lot of swings and misses on. But it's also a pretty slow pitch. So if you can throw something, you know, all speed up there, then your fastball looks better. But it wasn't until my third year south that the 90-plus mile-an-hour fastball showed up. So the knuckleball was – I give it credit for all the all the strikeouts in high school, which did me no good because nobody called me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you had a great career. And, and then, you know, going back to South Alabama, just to mention a little bit about some of the players you played with. And, in fact, that, that you're – 1989 season, y'all went to College Station, mm-hmm. and then 1990, y'all went to Wichita, and and some of the players that, that went on to the major leagues, I mentioned Luis Gonzalez earlier, Mike Mordecai, Alan Battle, Jay Jay Gaynor, Gramps, uh, uh, Steve Faldesack, and Mike Zimmerman, uh, and you know Gaynor, he's one of just. Uh, he was thir- he's the thirteenth person to ever hit the first pitch he saw right. in the ballpark, and Will Clark did that too, but. But that 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 was awesome. Yeah. You know, and he was a really good power hitter at South Alabama. Well, he was, he was strong, man. He he, he could, we called him Gramps because he was always he, he was we used to joke that he was a he was a forty year old man trapped in a twenty year old body. <laughs> he was always hurting somewhere. Bless you him. know, God bless him. He was. Jay, we love Jay. He was a great guy. He was also um, he was a team barber. He could, he could he could cut hair like nobody ever seen, man. And so people. Word got out that Jake had cut hair, so that you know, of course people started lining up at the. We back then we lived in one one side of the Gamma Dorms, Gamma Zero, Gamma Gamma as we called it. That whole front side was baseball players. Well, within about a couple of years of me leaving, that they got broken up and they busted us up, and I can't imagine why why they did that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm not, I well, know some of those guys. Can't yeah. imagine why that yeah. happened, but it did. But so anyway, so Jay was the was the was the dorm barber. It didn't take him very long to, to get smart, start charging five bucks for a haircut. But Jay was also an artist. He was an art. I think he was an art major. He could draw like you wouldn't believe. And he drew a sign and put it on his door. With you know some guy with tears coming out of his eyes, it's like hair, 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 haircuts, five dollars, no wine and no crying, it, you know, <laughs> something like that. But it was uh, he was he was an amazing artist as well. But he was uh, he was hurt a lot, um, but he could swing it. He could just he could he, he could he got into yeah, it. Yeah, smooth a long swing way. too, yeah, didn't he? Smooth lefties, he just he crank it. Well, you know, you mentioned you know y'all having fun basically um, in those dorms. You know, I, I didn't live but about a mile from South Alabama, and I can remember growing up. Underage. I mean, they had they, Jags became Waterhole, Poor Richards, Poor Georges. You had Solomon's down the road. You had Thirsties, Mike's Public House, Oogies, Five Ockers over the years. You know, it, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it just that was fun times. I mean, seventies and eighties and and into the nineties. And um, well, there was no downtown back then. I mean, down, downtown didn't exist. It was just all it was all closed down. And um, I mean, yeah, there was just a, there, was, there was spots around town around campus. So we, they re, they redid Richards. Between my, my, my third and fourth year there, whoever, they bought it out and, and just re-renovated the whole place. That kind of became the, the gathering spot for, for quite a few years. And the funny thing was, everybody, wherever everybody went would close down at whatever time, and people would migrate back to the dorm, to the baseball dorm. And we had we had couches out front, and you know, one year we had the big idea to – Coach Coach Kittrell doesn't hear this. <laughs> Coach he had, Kittrell, yeah, plug your ears, Coach. We had the big idea because there was we had we would have so many people out front sometimes. So we needed you know they'd have folded chairs back then. They didn't exist. The back chairs didn't exist. Well, the bullpen had these big long 
you know, like like homemade bleachers. And we decided we needed to put those in the dorm. So we went up to the field and got them and just put them out under the porch at the dorm. And they, they, they worked great. And Coach Kitzler came by one day to, you know, he'd just pop in from time to time. We always knew, he, you know, he's going to, we, we, we behave for the most part. We, we had to, you know, we didn't, we didn't stay in line. The RA would get on to us. Coach Peltier would come by and, you know, we, we just, we, we knew there was boundaries we just didn't need to, to cross. And uh, as far as making too much Coach noise. Coach Peltier, you, what, you, 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 you did okay with that, didn't you, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> he would come by and check on us. They, they come by, I'll say check on us from time to time. But anyway, so, so Coach Kittrell came by one day. I think the front of the dorm was a mess. There was just a lot of garden. Not, just you know, littering stuff out front. We hadn't cleaned up. This was one of those early mornings he came by. And this didn't happen all the time. But uh, he, he just happened to come by on a day that just, you know, we hadn't, hadn't straightened the place up. So he was pretty irritated. And so he, he empties everybody, everybody in the dorm out. So we had to go and, like, knock on the door and, you know, get everybody outside. And, Ron wasn't happy, was he? Well, this is Coach Kittrell. Oh, okay. Coach oh, he wasn't happy either. So he's, so he's, 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 you know, I don't want to say laying into us. He's just kind of, you know, disappointed his team for, you know, the, the way the dorm looks and whatnot. And then he realizes that we're all sitting on the bullpen benches. <laughs> He's like, what are these benches doing down here? And I, I think everybody looked at me and me and, <laughs> me and Jamie Little. <laughs> so anyway, but it was – we, we had to take the benches back. So it was – we had a good time. But it, it was a great – it was, it was a great um, – you know, bonding experience because we all lived together. We weren't scattered out. Um, so we had, you know, there's a lot of guys we spent a lot of time with over the years. And that really, you know, we left a lot of really good relationships that just from, you know, from being together for so long. So that made good baseball teams back then. Way, way back then, I mentioned that we were, we were, we used to get in underage at Solomon's, but we would go in there after games at night and talk about the Rebels. And what got us caught, there'd be about seven or eight of us. And, you know, we'd have a mustache. We looked 19 years old, <laughs> 18, whatever it was. But when we started hollering, go Rebels, go Rebels, the security guard said, Rebels, that's Shaw High School. That's high school. So, but, but anyway, down at the Poor Richards, or the Waterhole, it was Waterhole back then. I'm going to mention this. I remember meeting some of the South Alabama players, some cool guys, Doug Morrison and Joe May. I don't know if y'all are listening or if you, if, if some, tell them, tell them, that I remember Doug, he was a really good relief pitcher, and Joe May was a great catcher. They were South guys I can remember. And then Spring Hill had their representatives too, James Leachman and John Allenback. These guys were like the guys that took up money at the door, you know, and stuff. <laughs> you know, I guess they were trying to be the good guys, you know. But then again, yeah. that was a that was a front. That was a good thing because that was back when Coach Stanky. Coach yeah. Stanky was the man back then, and Ricky Patterson running around and Coach Crawford. Well, Coach Crawford, I've heard stories about. I can't say them on here. <laughs> Ron Pelletier's got some good ones. You yeah, know how good the Ron stories, is. The stories live. They get better with time, too. Yeah, they do. They but do. also, back, you know, back back then, there was nothing around South. The Mitchell Center wasn't there. The football team was 20 years away. The track wasn't even there at one time. The, the yeah. track wasn't there. The, where the Mitchell Center, Mitchell Center is now was, was intramural softball. The old baseball field, the old yeah. South baseball I played, field. I played, I played there there. coming up. But, I mean, there was there, a, did all that. There was a, the Hardys that was at the corner university. The old Shell is gone. I mean, they, they knocked that down. But that was, you know, that, there wasn't anything around there. Subway across from Ed's, where Thirsty's was. Uh, but I think I went to Thirsty's like twice. That place never, they, they kind of phased out before I, before I got in town. I remember hearing stories about it from yeah. the people, just, you know, where people hung out. But, but all, these, all these strip malls, there was nothing there. It was a commuter school. So there just wasn't a lot to do, you know, when you were on campus. So you kind of, you know, you go hang out in somebody's dorm. And then when they actually fixed Richards up, it was actually a nice place. And you know they they, they had it was a fun it was place. A good place. They together, had bands so. in there and stuff too. Yeah, you know you you're wearing your Mobile Mobster shirt, so I got to plug something for that. You know you're you're uh, you're one of our Mobile Mobsters, which is the our newest, group. maybe. Yeah, yeah, and their yeah, prize for that. We are so we're so glad for <laughs> for you to come on with us, and we have a gathering every every 
Christmas time, mm-hmm. Joe Connick's place, and that's a storytelling time. And you, it's one of the best baseball uh, congr- places to congregate during Christmas time, tell baseball stories, and we have a blast out there. And I hope you can come out there. During well, love, I've been invited the last oh that last two or three years, and I just for whatever reason I couldn't pull it off either out of town or just just couldn't make it happen. But yeah, you, you get all these you know I say old guys. We're none of us are. I'm 50, 54, I think three four yeah fifty four. Um, and there's just, you know, there's so many stories among this group of guys. And if, if you, if you go back, you know, 30 years and get the guys with their 10 years ago, they got the stories too. Oh, yeah, that's they the thing. And, you, and that goes for any team, any, any group of guys. But I think, I think baseball is a little different because it's, there's, there's, there's so many of you in one play. The basketball team's got how many people? I don't know how many people in the basketball team. Twelve, maybe yeah. fourteen. So you got what thirty on a baseball team? You got a full bus full of people. Stanky had a no, no, no cut policy. He, I think, he carried thirty eight players one yeah. year. There's, there's a lot of guys. You spend a lot of time together. I mean, when you're, you know, you, you, when you're practicing, it's, it's, there's, there's it's, you know, if you're a pitcher, especially, it's a lot of standing around. Position players, not so much. But just you spend so much time together, and there's so many of you. Um, it just you know, it just it leads to a lot of a lot of. I mean, life leads to stories, right? I mean, things happen that are you know some of them are memorable and funny. Some would like to forget, but you know, life just happens, and you know, you, you keep talking about the good stuff and you forget about the bad. But you get the, the mobster group together, and you know, you got you know, I'm, I'm 54, and then you got some guys are younger, some guys are you know six, seven, eight, ten years older than me. And it's just you know, they're they're I can sit and listen to those guys talk for. It never stops. It, no, it, it just it finally we all just go home because <laughs> <laughs> it just one story begets another and then another and then another. Remember that time so and so and it's you know it's just it's uh it's, well like I mentioned before you're a realist and you you don't mind sharing the realism that you lived in your life and going back to George County your old <clears throat> pitching coach you mentioned him earlier CP uh, coach Ronnie Powell mm-hmm. he ended up at George County yeah. after he left uh, South Alabama for for a short period I believe but um. Coach Powell's done wonders for so many players around around Mobile and and up at Enterprise when he spent time up there. He's a, he's a winner. Every, everywhere he goes, he wins. He is. He is. is. And, he, and he will. And he will. He will. And I've said this before, and I'll say it until I die. I, I credit my coaches at South to spend more time with CP than than any of them. But but you know, but Coach Kittrell and, and Coach Powell specifically, um, they taught me so much baseball about. Not just baseball, but life. But they, but they taught you how to win, not just put on a uniform and go out there and play. Yeah, how to be a bulldog. How to. It, it didn't matter what the score was or how many outs there were. You better be playing baseball like it's the last inning and you're down by one. And that was understood. There was there was there was no quit. We played we played what we what everybody calls South Alabama baseball, which is scrappy, squeeze a run out, never give up, smash mouth, you know, hard nosed baseball and. It wasn't just go out there and you know, be aggressive, but it was just you had to learn how to execute, how to play, how to you know. But I, I, the mechanics that CP taught me, I took with me to pro ball. But it was it was from a mechanical standpoint. I did, I did have Tommy John my second year, so I had to correct some things I should have cleaned up anyway to keep from hurting myself again. But when I did that, you know, I threw more balls over the plate. My, my stuff was better. Um, <clears throat> but I had the knowledge from him of how to do these things. If your curveball's not biting, okay, then how do you make it bite? Shorten up. If your fastball's up, what do you do? Shorten up. If if if, if yeah, how do you? It's not a it's not a it's not a process of I, sh- I need to aim differently. You make mechanical changes, which makes your your ball do different things. And and I didn't learn that in pro ball. I learned that in south. And there were so many guys I played ball with that that didn't get that in college. They just had enough talent. They were so good they got you know, on a pro roster. But then they got in a pro ball. And 
it wasn't across the board. But, you know, just because you're, you're – I'm not you know, knocking professional coaches here, but you, you don't get the level of instruction from some you might get from others. And I, I've always credited Coach Powell and what he taught me as a pitcher mechanically and, and, and competitive-wise for both of them that, that kept me around as long as it did um, because that's just what they taught us. Well, you know, Coach Powell and Coach Kitcher, they both – and a lot of their, you know, assistants, they, they, they taught the right – things at South Alabama because of tradition and that tradition that they, yeah. that they continue that Eddie Stanky. Well, know, coach, coach, well, coach Pell's founded. actually, he's been, he's been coaching at St. Luke's and my, my middle son, Brody, he's an outfielder at St. Luke's and, and uh, he, <laughs> he came home about two years ago and that's Ron Pelletier. Ron Pelletier. Yeah. yeah. So, so Ron, coach Pell, Ron, Ron Pelletier, he's, he's, he's helping coach at, at St. Luke's. So Brody and my son comes home and he's telling me, Hey, I got this coach that knows you, um, Coach Pelletier, I'm like, Ron Pelletier? He goes, yeah. I said, yeah. So he's, you know, so I kind of told Brody the story. And before really Brody said anything, I said, look, son, here's the deal. That man will never stop talking, okay? <laughs> he will never stop talking. And everything that comes out of his mouth, say that lovingly, Coach, everything that comes out of his mouth regarding baseball, you need to listen to it. Because he's forgotten more about baseball than I ever knew, especially when so I didn't spend a lot of time with Coach Pell because he was an outfield coach. And I was not an outfielder. So, you know, I, I called it. It was – I interact with him quite a bit, but it was the coaching side of it. It was you know that, but but Brody has has um, he, he's learned a lot from from Coach Pell uh, the last couple of years, baseball wise. I'm, I'm I'm happy they're together. Well, you know, uh, we're trying to get Ron down here. Uh, I'm trying to get Ron, Rich Kearns, uh, John Uvodich, and Keith Levins down here all at one time. Tell some stories, you know, yeah, like like yeah. me and you were doing tonight. But um, you know, let's go back to uh, to um, Loosedale okay. for a few minutes and. We're gonna go back to this name right here, and and you know this is a baseball place. I mean, and and it, it has become that. But going going back to uh, Claude Paso, I, I think it was Claude Paso Jr. If I'm not mistaken, or, or Claude, Claude Paso and Claude Paso Jr. Both of them were great players. In fact, Claude, the the, the older one, gave up a home run to Ted Williams in the All Star game, and Ted claimed that that was the Greatest moment of his career. You know, <laughs> yeah, but, he was well. The, well, there's Big Claude and Little Claude. Okay. Now, Big Claude's Claude Senior. He's the one that, that, that pitched for the Cubs. Was okay. all star. Right. They called him Big Claude. He was like six four. I mean, he was, he was a big guy. And his son, Claude Junior, was called Little Claude. Little Claude wasn't little. He was a he's a just a raw bone country boy farmer. There was nothing small about him at all. But everybody called him Little Claude just so you could distinguish the two of them. And and Little Claude, uh, he. I may I may get a piece of it wrong here, but he he signed with Mississippi State. He played Mississippi State, and well, so I was going to walk on at Mississippi State, ended up getting an offer from South, and, and went there instead. Uh, but he played at State, and then signed. I want to say with the Reds. I don't know. I don't know what round he signed in. He played a couple of years of minor league ball, and 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 he lived right down the road from us. I mean, we were you know, small town USA. We all knew each other, and um, you know, see him all the time. I'd actually go to to Big Claude's house, who lived in town. He used to he was a farmer. They both farmers. And Big Claw was raising quail, and I was raising quail. So I'd go out and check his check his quail pen out, and you know, he's just a real accommodating guy. Everybody knew him. He's just a local legend. <clears throat> and um, but Big Claw was he was first person that was drafted out of out of George County. Um, I'm sorry, Little Claw was Big Claw didn't grow up in Loosedale. He settled in Loosedale. But as far as the Loosedale native, uh, Little Claw, his son, he was first person that was that was signed a college scholarship and was drafted 
until me. And he's my parents' age. So there's a whole generation of people between the two of us. That's why people used to laugh when I would say I was going to play professional baseball. Okay, you can play professional baseball. Nobody's even played college baseball from this town in, in 20-something years. Yeah, 25 years because it was 1966 okay. with Junior, and it was the Reds. Yeah, yeah. okay, that's I'm right there. Mm-hmm. Well, not, not totally off. Um, but the thing that's really has happened since then is is once I signed with South, word kind of got out that Shane signed with what well, did get out, but it's a small town, Shane signed with South. And so my mom got calls. My parents got calls from other kids' parents going, hey – my kid wants to do that. How'd you do that? Well, we started years ago. I mean, I've been, it wasn't something that just, just fell on my lap and happened. I'd pursued baseball for a long time. But I went on vacation with my parents. There was a glove in my car. Me and my stepdad used to throw all the time. Um, me and dad didn't, didn't really throw. It wasn't his thing. But he, he taught me how to, how to weight train and, and, and diet and you know, have to, from, the, from the, that, that aspect. of Like I said before, I got, you know, had, had different people that really taught me different things. It really took, took – you know, I had a lot of different – variables covered by different parents so it wasn't like i did, did this all by myself obviously um but it you know I, I took my took my glove on vacation when we threw and I, I had another guy named ken lee that was a outfielder for mississippi state that was younger than my parents older than me um that was used to coach me as well and he worked with me on pitching so he used to pitch also so I, that yes instruction along the way so it didn't just i didn't just show up at south by chance it was mm-hmm. really yeah, you know, it was really by chance, but it wasn't like, oh, well, I got I got a scholarship, so I'll go. But what we've been trying for and training for for a long time. But as time went by, I think maybe Bubba Dixon was the next person drafted a couple yeah, years well, after me. You know, it, it it Bubba was next, and he was so interesting to watch. Over, I, I used to go to Hank Aaron Stadium. And, 97, 98. Yeah, he, and he was a fan favorite. He was a fan yeah, local, favorite. local boy. I wish I could have finished up in, yeah. in Mobile. But his his um his his older brother Shannon and I were really good friends. Uh, we played summer ball together for years in Rocky Creek. We were really good friends growing up. Life kind of took us in different Did directions. Did you catfish over there? Didn't have catfish <laughs> back then. Now, the catfish house wasn't there. That's a whole, whole, whole other story. That place is amazing. But but, <coughs> but being but growing up I and mean, we we would float from house to house. So I was around Bubba quite a bit. He was just Shannon's little brother. He was a good ball player. Um, but you know, I was around, we were all around each other all the time. So, you know, then Bubba got drafted and then it was just, you know, they, they just, from there it, it took off. Um, you know, the family, I didn't mean to interrupt you, uh, Shane, but, um, I was about to call you Shale. I, I get it Shane, all the time. It just, I get it all the time. <laughs> um, but you know, you mentioned Paso, we mentioned Paso and, and you know, their grandson's really great baseball player out of, out of uh, yeah, Will. St. Paul's Will's yeah, doing Will, good. And, and still playing on community college. I don't know where he's. He's going to Mississippi State. Is he? That's yeah. great. That's great. I didn't know that. The Mississippi State needs some help too. I mean, not saying they're not going to bounce back. You know, no, they need some help. Yeah, you know, Southern, <laughs> Southern Miss is doing really great. But yeah, but right. you know, I, I'm going to mention these names. I, I, I mentioned to them earlier, but and, and we mentioned the family earlier, and this is for Loosedale, uh in George County. D- the names Davis, mm-hmm. Tanner, Robbins, Paso. Huddleston, McDonald, and you know, and 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 uh, and one we we haven't mentioned yet. He's he's in Seattle having a great season. Justin yep, Seal, first Seal. person to make it up. He's nine and two with a two point six four ERA, and and two point five six ERA, eighty one strikeouts, and and you know, I'm I'm so happy for him, and you know, I hope he gets into the game tomorrow night. Yeah. Or tonight, tonight, yeah. because we're just we're pre-recording on Monday night. But but yeah, I, I'll mention some of the some of the names underneath that. It was yourself in '90, right? Claude Paso in 1966, Shane Hale in 1990, Bubba Dixon in '93, '94, Adam Huddleston, uh, Brandon Davis, who's the coach there now. You say yeah. Danny Hudson, Tim Davis, Lance Davis, the same 
Same family. He played at Mary Montgomery, didn't he? I'm not sure about that. that right? And then Wendell Fairley. He's the first-round pick. I don't know why I said that about – there must be another Lance Day. Had to be. Had to be because Lance Davis at Mary Montgomery was 91. I got that confused before. These guys are George County players. Wendell Fairley, Brent Tanner, who played at South, mm-hmm. and his brother Logan, who did so well last yeah, year with State. Mississippi State in 2012. Mason Robbins, Justin Steele, and Walker Robbins. That's the list I have, and there's a there's a bigger list of players that went on to major colleges. And, and, and all those kids' dads you just rang off, all the their dads or uncles were all friends of mine. Is that that's, right? That's, that's right. That's how small our community was. I mean, it's you know we just there's it's a, it's just it's just a well it goes back to the to the to the story of it, it really blows my mind. Brandon Davis sent me a picture several years ago on the back of the George County. Fieldhouse. There's a plaque for each person that was drafted, and there's there's two rows of maybe three at this point. And the first one on the top left, Claude Passo. It's got this got they're really they're really pretty. It's really very well done. It's got it's got Claude's name, the, the Reds emblem. I think the year he was drafted, what round? Um, just a little bit of information. Then there's me with the Orioles around seven. Then I think Bubba's next to me. Now it, I don't know if it shows on your plate or not. It just shows who who you were drafted by, what round, your name. And they keep adding adding plaques. But the first time I saw it, saw the picture of it, I was like, wow, that, that's, you know, it, it was really, I thought it was something. It was, it was really great. And the more I looked at it, you know, the more I looked at that, like, okay, here's that whole generation gap between me and Claude. And then there's me, and there's the next generation, there's all these kids. The talent was always there. It's just nobody, um, nobody believed it was possible. Well, you know, I kind of get stuck right there. That's sometimes. okay. That's okay. Hey, <laughs> I get okay. I get talking about baseball, I get a little emotional that's, that's sometimes. A 25 but it's twenty-five year gap, like you're talking about, and, and it's followed and it's picked up, and and now here we have all this talent in Mobile and have for many many years, and now uh, we've extended into Loosedale, yeah. and that's because of yourself, and 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 some of the others that come through, Brent Tanner and and Logan Tanner and and Justin Steele and 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 Brandon Davis and all mm-hmm. these guys. And y'all are just across the state line. I work and been working in Mississippi for the past fifteen years, so you know it's just so close. Uh, well, there's been uh, there's been so many people that, that that have poured into that program. They get a lot of local support. They've had good coaches. Like I said, CP was first one that went there. He didn't he didn't stay long for different reasons. Um, but yeah, Scott went. Bruce Thornton coached for a while. The Brandon's been there for a long, long time. But they, they but they've they've had support. I mean, they've got you know they've got a good facility. They got support. But the, but the big thing is kids kids go there now and they believe that they can go play at the next level. That they believe that going in. And when I was there, nobody believed that. I mean, they just didn't. It is you, you played baseball just to go out there and have fun, have a good time, um, which is great. Go have go play and have a good time. Yeah, you know, that, that's that's the whole the whole point of it. But it's it's just. Um, the kids believe that things are possible these days, and because they believe they're possible, they happen for some of them. Not that it happened to everybody, but it all starts with belief. No matter what it is, baseball. I mean, I mean, pick anything in life that you want to do, bigger become. You gotta believe. You gotta believe you can do it. If you don't believe you can do it, then you never get off the ground with it. You never get to the next point, which is which is decide, which is putting that belief in motion. And then once you decide, you got to persist through the good, through the bad. You got to keep going when things are good and easy. You got to keep on plugging when things get hard. Um, and it's just that that first ingredient was never there. There was no belief, and you know I, I believed. Part of it was just was just childish ignorance. I didn't know any better. I didn't had that no idea, no idea how 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 stacked against me the whole deck was. But I had people support me, and 
you know, and, and things happen. And you see somebody else do it, and it's like, well, if he can do it, you know, especially if he can do it, that little skinny kid can do it. Maybe <laughs> I can too. And and you know, these days, you know, kids kids look at that, and they, you know, we got Justin Steele in the big leagues now. Um, you know, if, if the proof's not there, you know, if you can't if you can't look at this now and believe, I can't help you because that's, that's, with all the pieces are there. You're exactly right. You know, it's it, it starts with with our personal belief and and uh, personal belief in God for. Number one, and that's that's an everyday life when we get up in the morning and be thankful. But let's let's go back to your to your Orioles career, and 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 then as you as you get through with that, go into this the way this unfolded, becoming this uh, uh, actor, I should say, yeah, in, in, in the in the in the, uh, in the movie. Major League well, too. So how, how to get how to get involved in that? Yeah, just well, I was uh, one of the the biggest highlights of my professional career was my ability to rehab an injury. Um, I was I stayed hurt for about half the time I was professionally signed with the Orioles. I was rehabbing something. Uh, I had a new elbow, then I had to have it opened up again and cleaned out. Then there was a foot issues. I was I stayed banged up. That was you know, part of my problem was I was never really one hundred percent very often or for very long. And so I'm in Sarasota rehabbing my elbow. I was, I was there for a whole summer. I had surgery on June, June the 2nd of 1993. And I didn't touch a baseball until like spring of the next year. So I had Tommy John surgery, but it was the rehab was longer back then. And so I went into spring training that year knowing I was going to be in Sarasota at the spring training facility all summer long. I wasn't traveling with the team. I'm just I'm rehabbing, going through my throwing program. I actually got into, into some ball games at that le- lowest level right before the end of the year. Well, the guy I was living with, um, a roommate with, my good buddy at the time, he he was from Balt, actually from Baltimore. He was the catcher down there, and he came in and said, "Hey, I'm going to be in a movie. Going to be in Major League Two. And I didn't believe him. Turns out he was telling the truth. Well, they were filming Major League Two in Baltimore, filming at Camden Yards and the old War, old War Memorial Stadium, that's where they shot the night shots at. And they were trying to find people to fill baseball uniforms that looked and moved like baseball players. Well, what's a better place to look than? Let's check the Orioles out because we're in Baltimore. But there's a lot of guys from that area that played for the teams um, that might be off-season there. So, so that's how I got in. I sent some pictures up, and um, they said, send some pictures up. So I mailed some pictures up. you got to remember, this is back in, like, 1993. There's no email. There's no cell phones. There's, you know, we got snail mail, pay Internet phones. was and, just getting started. Yeah, ex- exactly. And um, it was I – mean, none of that stuff existed. So I dropped stuff in the mail and – didn't hear anything back, and the season ended in Sarasota, and I packed my stuff up a couple of days later and headed back to Loosedale. I've been gone for like, I don't know, seven or eight months since I've been home. Got home about 4 o'clock in the morning, and about 7, my mom walks in and says, you got a phone call. And it's Morgan Creek Productions on the phone going, hey, we got your stuff, and like you to be in the movie, and when can you be here? I'm like, well, I've been home for three hours. <laughs> I've been gone since last January, which was true. And uh, I said, how late can I come up? They said, well, can be here in four days. I said, yeah. And so I flew up and stayed for almost three months. Wow. And and uh, it, it was great. It was. I, I look back at it now and kind of laugh, like, how in the world did I pull that off? It's just it's just total luck. But the crazy thing is, I, I was a big Charlie Sheen fan, like everybody was back then. He was really, you know, he was big. He was super big at the time. And everybody loved the first Major League movie. It was, it was a real fan favorite. The first one's way better, in my opinion, than the second one. Um, but just, you know, to be in it and get to do all the stuff we did and hang out with those guys for, for three months was, uh, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was just a lot of fun. It had to be. It's like, you know, when, not that your door was completely shut, but another one opened, you know, you've been through the surgery and here's this opportunity to be 
in a movie. Yeah. And, and, um, well, it was, it was in the off season, so it was. Um, it really worked out good for me because I, I, they, they had what's called craft services, which is basically the, the food truck. So we had lots of really good food on tap, and so I would I was getting fed very well. wasn't having to do all this cooking myself. And then after that, I'd go work out every day. So I put on like twenty five pounds, and so I came into camp and you know great shape. So it was, it was really you know, that part worked out well. They fed me three meals a day. I could work out what I wanted to, and um, you know just couldn't ask for really a better off season training. I was working out at, at at the Royal Stadium, um, so it was just it was a good combination for me. Well. Mention some of the the actors that you that you that you hung out with. Oh, I mean, God, to, all I of mean them. for for not three months. That's a long time. Yeah. To, 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 well, we would we would they. The funny thing was the 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 crew, like the, the actual filming crew, um, they were and even the actors. They were most all of them were baseball fans. Charlie Sheen was a really big baseball fan. He was very he was athletic. I mean, he look at him and at him pitch. He's he's pitching. He said that's that's him, and. Some of the other guys, not quite so much as he was, but he, but he did, he was, he was, he had the chance to play college ball, I believe, and didn't. Um, but they thought it was cool to hang out with a bunch of baseball players. And of course, we thought it was cool to hang out with a bunch, bunch of people from Hollywood. And so, but I, we, and, and it was different guys had different levels of friendship. I was, I was not one to hang out in the clubhouse and, and, you know, play, I'm not a card player. And I was always out walking around and, you know, while well, they're setting shots up, I'm, I'm helping out doing a little clicker thing and just, you know, I'm just, I, I can't sit still very long. That resulted in me being in a lot of a lot of the scenes. That's why you, you see me so much in there. But within short order, yeah, I'd, I'd walk in the for coffee in the morning. Charlie Sheen would walk in. Hey Shane, hey Charlie, and it was just like that. You know, just like when I saw you outside. We pulled up. Hey buddy, what's going on? How you been? So it was it, it, it was it was still cool to hang out with them and see them. They were still, but it, in time, it just kind of it, it kind of wore down to like it's just you know just another guy another day. But all, all of them, Tom Tom Baird, Charlie Sheen. Um, they were they were all down to earth and nice people. There wasn't anybody on the on the set that was that really thought they were all that in a bag of chips. Um, they're just normal folks going about their business. That's cool stuff. You mentioned earlier about uh, for people that want to go check out this movie, Major League Two, with Shane Hale as a as a stand in sit in. You can see him in the dugout a lot and, and, yeah, and out not, on the field. Talk, talk about the not wearing the hat. Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not a hat wearer, but I'm actually on, I'm on the Indians team. I'm number 17 on the Indians team, and my last name is O'Connor. And I, I've never been a hat fan. Just I'm just I just I'm not a hat fan. And so you know, we would be there like 12, 13 hours a day. And so I'm I'm oftentimes where my hat was. So whenever we'd be in a, in a, in a shot, they didn't make me put it on because I'm usually just floating around the dugout. I'm not really out, you know, on the field that much. I'm kind of I'm in a background role. And so I learned as time went by, what's the easiest guy to find when you got a whole team full of baseball players in a group? The guy without a hat sticks out. So that that part worked out pretty good. It wasn't planned at all. It just just it just worked out that way. So um, I tell people, number seventeen on the Indians team, and the guy that would never wears a hat. And that's that's, that's, that's kind of how stuff. that worked. <laughs> that's good stuff, man. I tell you, um, my things getting ready to come on here. Right? Um, you know. Uh, Again, you know, being able to do that, that it's kind of like, even though you didn't make it to the major leagues, yeah. you're in a movie with the name Major League Two, and you're oh, the there. irony of that, right? There, there is. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's historic, and I, I'm Let, I'm glad to glad to know that that I, I know you and 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 know that you had that opportunity in the picture of you and Charlie Sheen, which I'll post on my Facebook page, uh, along with some more stuff about your career yeah. with with this 
with this link tomorrow. Well, I, I found I found an album about a month ago cleaning out from when I was up there. It has all the pictures from major. I hadn't found it for twenty years, and I found it, you know, a while back. So I need to post more pictures. But it's always a good talking point. People find it interesting, and it'll. I mean, the movie still comes on today, and I didn't realize this until later on. But it's actually it was bigger in Japan than it was in America. Um, they made more money on that movie in Japan than in, in, in the States. Yeah, but it'll, for years, it's, it's, it's kind of trailed off now, but for the longest time, I mean, for years and years, I knew when the movie was was, was playing again, I started getting texts from all over the country, you know, from, from guys, hey, man, I saw you on TV last night. And I'm like, okay, you must have been bored. <laughs> had nothing else to do, but uh, but it, it's still, I'll still get those texts from time to time. They must play it across the country because, or on the, I guess on the major, you know, I don't know, HBOs or whatever, I guess they cycle movies through, but occasionally it's still... It must show up because I still get texts every now and then. Hey, I saw you on TV last night. So that's you know that's been ninety. What is what's ninety four years? I mean, 23, 35 years ago. It's, right. It's been a minute. Well, you know, you you Bob Euchre does a great job as a, as a uh, announcer in the in the press box. I didn't meet him. He, he came in for two came in for two days, and I went by one of the nights he was there. Because I want to meet the guy and just and just you know see him, so I, I could get in obviously, and and uh, so I went in and he had left like an hour before they had wrapped up. So I never I never got to meet Bob Euchre. And Wesley Snipes was another one that was just, just a, uh, and I, I saw where I looked at the and I may have been looking at the 89, 89 cast, yeah. but you had Wesley Snipes, and then what was cool was uh, some of the major leaguers that played Steve Yeager, Pete Vukovic, Terry Francona, and then a guy named Jerry Augustine. It's the same one. The, all, all of those were major leaguers, and even Francona being a manager. And and what was interesting is Dennis Haysbert, the All-State nice guy. guy. He's the All-State guy. guy yeah. For people out there, the big black guy in this movie is the is the All-State. Uh, uh, what's deep, in your wallet or voice. something? No, that may not be the, the phrase. Uh, I don't can't remember what he says, but um, he said all state something all yeah. all state, and he said some other words after that. But he's like the voice, the voice yeah, of all state. Is. Everybody recognized him, and he plays like a, a cuckoo role or something with it, yeah. and, and like he does all this crazy stuff. And but he was not, he was not most of the guy like like I don't know like Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger. They they act. There's actors, and then they're like like Dustin Hoffman, for example. I mean, he plays different roles in different movies. Like like take Tom Cruise, for example. Tom Cruise is always an angry little white man. Every mm-hmm. movie he's in, he's mad about something. Um, but Charlie Sheen, the way you see him acting in the movies, the same way he talks to you otherwise. Right. Uh, now Tom Berenger once once um, James Gannon, the manager, you know, he dies in the movie. Doesn't die in real life, but he dies in the movie. He has a heart, he has a heart attack, and so Berenger takes over the team. Once Berenger took over the role of being manager, his personality changed. Prior to that, he, you know, Tom just didn't talk to you about anything. I mean, he was very approachable and, you know, easy to talk to. And, you know, we'd, we'd go out and have a beer every now and then after, after, after shooting. And uh, just he's just an easy guy to hang out with. But once he took over the manager role for the movie and did the filming part, total personality change. Didn't talk to anybody. But he just assumed that. So he he kind of right. changed roles there. Yeah, but all course. the rest of the actors, they just they were, they were just being themselves, basically. Um, but but um, Serrano, um, what's his name? What's his real name? The big, God, the big the Allstate guy. What's his Jack, name? Dennis Hayes. Dennis Hayes. He he was the first one I met. Well, we, we get we get to Camden Yards and it's fall. So it's this first of September, middle of September. So it's cooling off up north, unlike here. And so I walk out because I'm you know if you got access to a major league baseball facility, and you can just go walk across the facility anytime you want to. You do it, you know. So the first time I got there, and I'm, I'd, I'd been to the, to the park before. 
But so we actually get there for the first day of filming in Baltimore, which we started off at a minor league facility in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And so I walked out on the field. I was literally leaving footprints across the dew in the outfield. And there's nobody there. And the sun's coming up and it's shining through the methanate. And it was just, it looked like something out of a postcard. And so I go sit back down in the third base dugout. Nobody's out here with me. I'm just, that's, that's me. I'm going to go immerse myself wherever I'm at and whatever I'm doing. Everybody else is in the clubhouse just hanging out watching TV. And so it's pretty chilly. And the heaters, the, 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 the dugouts have heated seats. So the whole bench is heated. So I just kind of sat on the bench and then I lay down and then, I, you know, I get still, I go to sleep. And I, and I, I dozed off and I feel something on my face and I like, you know, kind of brush it off. And I look up and Habert's leaning over me. Looking, he's he's ashing his cigar on the side of my face. This guy doesn't know me from anything. <laughs> and he, it, and I, I sit up and I look at him, and there's Dennis Habert sitting looking back at me. He goes, "What's up, man?" And I was like, "Hey." He goes, "It's a beautiful day. You should wake up." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, it is." And he goes, "I'm Dennis." I said, "No, I'm Shane." And and you know, I kind of laughed about it. We sat there and talked for a minute. But he was like, "You know, where are you from?" And but uh, he was just out there enjoying the morning as well, having a cigar along with it. But it's just, it's not every day you, you know, lay there sleeping and, you know, wake up and Dennis Habert's ashing a cigar on my face. But he was just, you know, just normal guy, just having fun with people. Um, but that, but they were all, they were all real approachable, real nice. And but in short order, it was just like passing anybody else, you know, that you, that you know. That's a great experience you had. And I, I'm, I'm really glad to, to know that you, we're able to do that, Shane, and, and uh, I hope more people and the listeners will, will check that out and acknowledge that. But let's change gears here for a minute, and you have a beautiful family, wife and three boys. Three boys. Three boys. And Tried for two, got three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. But, you know, you, your, your Facebook page, you, you, you're always doing inspirational videos when the sun's coming up, you live on the river, a beautiful mm-hmm. home. You have a man cave out there. You're always showing how you cook. And and I saw a recent one about the uh, the the ice bath, ice bath. challenge. Talk yep. about that a little bit, and just talk about your your your. Well, your that's, home, I guess that's kind of your family. I guess and, that's and kind of my latest my latest thing. I, well, about I guess if my 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 broker. Don Jones, who's not my broker anymore, Annette Odin is my broker now, but Don Jones was my broker at Bellator Real Estate. I'm a realtor. And um, he made the, I made the comment one day about not having hobbies. He's like, Shane, your family's your hobby. I was like, well, I guess you're, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. And really, that that's true. My family's my hobby. I mean, I, I enjoy cooking for people, um, but that's, that's they're, they're kind of my hobby. And um so it's it's everything I do is kind of centered around you know around home. But I, I enjoy grilling. Uh, that that shed that I, I call it the eat in. I call it the, 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 that I've got where I do all my my hanging out. I call it the eat in because I hate eating out. And it's it's not not a joke in my family. It's just a hard fact. I hate eating out. It's just you get robbed by the, in the wallet when you eat out. And I, I try to be healthy and it's eat, no eat a good, good diet. Either. It's no good at all. It's hard to find a good meal that's good for you. So, but but also that that's one of the biggest dividends, Joey. That I, from from my if you had asked me what's the what's the biggest dividend from your baseball career, it would be my ability to eat well. Because when I was playing ball, I cooked on the road. I mean, me and my little hibachi gear with a little propane bottle. Man, I'm at the Hojo I'm under by the stairs at 11 o'clock at night in some podunk map.a-ball town cooking my chicken up and eating out of my cooler because I, I couldn't eat McDonald's and Burger King, and, and I just I couldn't – I had so hard to keep weight on. And it kind of carried over from there. And these days, I just – I still eat – you know, I ate some garbage here and there. But by and large, you know, my ability to eat eat good food and take good food with me, my kids get tired of hearing it, but it's, you know, it, it's a great dividend – 
that carried over from my pro ball career is my ability to feed myself good food. And so I enjoy, still enjoy cooking, hanging out. Uh, but that's, that's so I, so I dug my little restaurant outside to eat in because I don't like eating out. And then I started doing, um, I used to do ice bass back when I played ball. And it wasn't many of us would do it, but we'd go to spring training and everybody got shin splints. Not everybody, but a lot of shin splints are very common because you're on your feet so long. And even though you're, you show up in good shape, you're just, there's a lot of movement stuff you're doing that you're, you know, just you're not used to and your legs hurt. So standing in an ice bath always felt pretty good from the knees down. That's where the pain was. And so one day I decided just to sit down. And man, you get out, you feel like Superman if you can stand it. You ain't got to stand there very long. And uh, I used to do them in Sarasota quite a bit. And then a few months back, it's kind of been internet. It's kind of been a you know the latest internet craze. People talk about you know ice bath and 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 there's you know the Wim Hof method or whatever the trend type. Like it's like the latest yeah. trend. Yeah. But there's there, but there's there's a lot of benefits to it. I won't go into them. But just just Google it. There's no down. The downside is you might get cold. Well, you will get cold. But I, I do it about an hour before I go to bed at night. And man, you just go into a coma. You sleep so hard. And um, you, know, you get older. You wake up a lot during the night. I do it about an hour before bed, and I'm just I'm out like a light for hours. Uh, so that's a big benefit. But I just I just like it. My joints feel better. So I started doing that, and I've had a few people come over and you know partake of it, and give it a shot. But it's, it's kind of a little, little you know hangout spot. I grill, post food videos. I do an ice bath here and there. I do them every day actually. But you know people come by, I do them every now and then. Um, but it's uh, that's kind of the that's kind of my spot out there. Well, you know, and it's, it's really cool to to to. to follow you and to, to listen to your inspiration because you share your heart and you share your feelings and you share your belief in, in God and, and, and you do it through video and you just, it just comes out. It's not, it's everybody can tell it's not pre-rehearsed. It's just you sharing your heart. Talk about that and how, how you're able to do that and, well, and why you do it. I mean, and, and because it's, it's uh, you have a lot of love inside your heart and you want to help people. I believe that's, that's what it is, but but there's probably more, and it, it's because it's you. Yeah, there's well, there's I, I take I, I take no credit for it. No, it, it. It's all God. I know that sounds like a cliche. Well, it's all God. Well, but really, it is. I mean, I I was raised in a good Christian home. Um, I mean, I never got I never got way off in the weeds of life. I've I've never done drugs. I mean, I was a typical guy. I drank a little bit, and you know, just run around, and run the roads a little bit here and there. And but I, I was never with the wrong crowd. Never, you know, got, I never got the stuff I wasn't supposed to get into. And I got up into my, probably my early 40s, I guess. And, um, yeah, I, I, was, I was in and out of church a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm raising kids. When you got kids, it's hard to get everybody out the door to church. And, you know, just, just there's so much going on when you're trying to raise a family and work and be self-employed. And, and it's just church can tend to, a church or you know, not just church, but you know, spirituality can take a back seat. You, know, you hit you hit bumps in life that could kind of bump it up a little further up your priority list until you get a relief or trying to find some relief. But um, my dad got sick with cancer and my mother-in-law got sick with cancer, and it really kind of put me in a point in life where I'm I'm kind of questioning, okay, what are you what are you doing with your life here? And that you know that that questioning really I got to a point where I, just, I couldn't really put my finger on anything. I mean, raising a family is worthwhile, you know. That, loving your wife, raising your kids, you know, making a living, those are worthwhile things. But what was I doing that had really any eternal value beyond the here and now? And I really couldn't put my finger on anything that I was doing that was worthwhile. And it's like the empty inside of me just kind of kept kept growing. And I kind of had a chance to, to put most everything that the world told me should fit inside that spot. You know, I had a little bit of success, had a baseball career, made a little money. 
I'd had a little fame. I'd got to travel around the world. I was, you know, I got to do things that, that that's supposed to fulfill people, and it just didn't. And um, we had to run. We had to work through some financial issues. That'll that'll kind of you know <laughs> they'll kind of make you ask for help. But it was just it was a combination of so many things coming together, and it, it really just um, it, it came to the point where I gave my life to Christ in my mid in the mid my mid forties, and um, it just opened up a whole new world for me. I went from from knowing who God was to actually having a relationship to knowing who God was by having a relationship with Christ. And I started reading my Bible. I started going to church religiously. And I started not just going to church, but 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 paying attention and writing down the notes. Because I would go to church, and the preacher would give a sermon. And the church works for me. I mean, some people are like, you should go to church. Well, okay, that, that works for me. I'm not saying you should go to church. You know, but, but but you find God four ways. You find God through through the Bible, through prayer, through the body of believers, which is which is church, some kind of corporate worship, whether it's small group, big church, whatever. And then the fourth one is the big one for me is, is, is through life circumstances. So those four things, that's where God works at and that's where you kind of find him at. And once I started looking and searching, you know, God started showing up. He'd been there all along, but I was just kind of too busy for him. And I just, I started, I'd go to church and hear the preacher and he would give this great sermon. And I'd leave all empowered and feeling great. And I'd get halfway home and I'm like, okay, what did he say? And I couldn't remember anything specific, so I started writing these notes down. And the notes kind of progressed to more notes, and the notes progressed to stories. And then one day, you know, I, had this, I felt led to, to share these stories on Facebook, which I thought was the craziest thing I'd ever heard in my life. And um, I did one day, and people responded and um, responded well. And uh, it, it just kind of went from there. But uh, without going into great detail about it, 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 there was a point where, you know, I've never heard an audible voice from God, but it was clear as a bell. I want you to share your faith. And so I was like, okay, how? Well, that question never got answered. <laughs> just go share your faith. But I, but I found through writing and doing videos and stuff, I just, I just share what God does in my life. And, um, and you know, I think we all, we all carry a lot of the same problems, issues, um, sorrows, whatever. I mean, life happens to all of us a lot in, in similar ways. And so it's not like you know, people tend to think that what's happening with them is only happening with them. So when you start sharing what's going on in your life, and people realize, okay, it's not just me. It's happening to Shane also. Um, I think they kind of take some relief in that. Um, but I just, I've, you know, God keeps giving me stuff to share, and I keep sharing it. And uh, he just, he keeps working. So that's that's kind of the, the short of it. And I've got a, my Facebook page is, is Shane Hale. But I've got actually a writing page where where the faith-based stuff ends up at. And it's Shane Hale, comma, writer. So there's two pages there, but if you Google them, they'll show up. But um, you know, it's just something, it's something I enjoy doing. And I've, I've, you know, I need to pull, them all, pull all the devotions together into a book and do something with that. But that's, that's a little more, you know, I just I keep turning it a little one-page one devotions. And uh, I've kind of been slacking here lately because it's been a little chaotic in my life. But, um, but it's, you know, look, looking back at, and all the things that happened from a baseball perspective, I mean, God opened so many doors for me along the way, and um, it really built a platform to work from. I mean, the fact that I'm sitting here talking to you right now after I left baseball 30 years ago is is just more proof that, you know, those, those doors that that platform God built, the doors he opened, he keeps opening them, and, you know, you'll, you'll keep sharing the message. I'll keep giving the opportunity to share it. And that's just kind of how it works. Wow, that, that's so cool. And, you know, Shane, but to, let me tell you this real quick too. Also, Joey, I mean, people sometimes don't realize how how much of an impact they're having on people. Um, I used to look at guys years ago, 
that that to me were good Christian examples. They were they were you know I I, I could I could go through spells where I would I would really get on the right footing for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, and I kind of drift off as I call it, drift back out to sea, which is just drift out back out to live in my life and going about my business. Um, but I'd find I'd see guys that seemed to year after year they just they stayed in that that you know that solid not not holier than thou just that they're just good Christian men and Turner Ward was one of them and. So I called Turner up one day, it's probably 15 years ago, and and you know, Turner, I knew Turner, Turner knew me, we didn't hang out, Turner's older than me. <clears throat> and I was like, man, can, can I talk to you? I was, really, I was really going through a bad spell, just, just, my bad spell is just, just empty inside. And Turner met me at Chick-fil-A, and we sat there and talked for about two hours one day. And um, it just, it made a huge impact on me, um, just from the perspective of, you know, here's this guy that, you know, I didn't really know that well, except I mean, Lance and I the same age. Um, but the example he set led me to call him. And say, can I talk to you? Because I'm going through a bad spell. I've had guys reach out to me that I don't even know through Facebook. Go, man, can I talk to you? And you know, I'm, yeah. And I'll, you know, I'm no, no counselor, but I can tell what's happening in my life. And you know, there's lots of guys I'm friends with on Facebook now that for old ball players that are all across the country that just in the same capacity, just like, you know, you're doing something that seems to work for you. I'm hurting. Can I talk to you? And uh, so you just you never know what you know what it, you never know who's watching and what example you're setting for people. Um, Whatever that's worth. You're 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 so you're so honest about that. You know, with Turner Ward, Turner's been like that forever. He's still like and, that. That's yeah, the he thing. is. He is, and he's inspiring. You know, and he's successful. <clears throat> and you know, Turner, Turner, Turner can get emotional real quick, and getting emotional through through Christ like that in your heart is real. And I applaud you for your strength and courage for sharing your life and your belief with people on Facebook, it, it's not easy to, to, to do that. I mean, I mean, and, and back it up and, and you've done that and, 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 and bringing out the realism that you're, you're a human being, you're a man, and you've, you've, you've experienced these things and these challenges. I mean, we get challenged each and every day and, and, and to, and I, I just encourage you to continue to do that. Well, and, life, and life it's, it's never, that's something I had, had to accept. I finally accept as I got older. It's, you're never there wherever there is. Life's never just going to work out. It, it, there's always going to be bumps. There's always going to be setbacks. You clean the house up one day, it's going to be a mess in a week. You, you, <laughs> you, get, you get your car organized, whatever. It's just every aspect of your life is, is, is a constant you know, renewing process. And, and faith is no different. I, I go through spells where I really feel like I'm really close to God and things are working. And I go through spells where where he didn't move, but it's just life gets in the way, gets chaotic, and I get preoccupied. Um but I just, yeah, I trust and believe that he's going to guide me through it. He's, he's got a, he's got a plan. He's, he's, um, you know, he's going to work it. Oh, the no, no, nose the toes. Where did that come from? Um. <laughs> That's yeah. That I, my, I, I credit my dad with that, and he has, he has, he has no idea how how much that saying took off. I was, I was in my my, I think my third year at South. It was my third year at South. That's the year I really came on and, and came out with big fastball, and I was, I was striking people out. I wasn't really sure where it was going, which tended to scare some hitters a little bit because it was, it was coming. And um, I, I'd gotten – I had kind of a bad game, I guess. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't being aggressive. I wasn't being a bulldog. I kind of got – I guess got timid trying to throw strikes whatnot and got knocked around a little bit. <clears throat> well, Dad went until the game was over. And usually when I got pulled, Dad was gone. And he, was, you know, he was very much a realist when it came to athletics, and he was waiting on me. And right when you walk out the the under the tunnel to the dugout from from the third third base dugout at South, right, you know the main the main walkway, he was waiting for me right there. And there was people around, 
he chewed me up one side down the other. I can't say it exactly what he told me on the air. But basically the short of it was, and these were the words he used. He said, he said when we play, we play from nose to toes. That's how we play. You can do that. You can take that name off the back of your jersey. I don't care which one. Don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass my last name. He, he ripped me up one side and down the other. But the short of it was, no, nose to toes was, it's, it's with everything in you, from your nose to your toes. And so that's how I started playing. And that's, you know, regardless of what was happening, but, you know, I, I came out of my shoes, and you're going to get every ounce I got. And I had, a, I had a coach in one of my minor league years, I guess I was about in the sixth inning, and I was, I'd probably thrown a bunch of pitches, and I guess I'm running out of gas. And and uh, he comes out to comes out to uh, talk to me. He says, "Shane, you got to you got you got to learn to pace yourself a little bit, son." I mean, I threw my slider as hard as I could, fastball hard as I could, I, you know, curveball hard as I could, everything hard as I could. And he's got to learn how to pace yourself, and you, you, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna go further. And I told him, I said, "Look, I said, I'm gonna give you everything I got for as long as I got it, and when I run out of it, go get somebody else. That's the only way I know how to do it." And he kind of shook his head. We kind of laughed. But I started signing when I would when I would write my post. I started just signing it nose to toes, and people responded to it. I mean, people loved it, and so it kind of stuck. And that's my my, my tagline is get in the boat, do your part from nose to toes. And it's it's um I got it on my on my bracelet on my wrist right now, but that's but that's where it came from. My dad, but my dad would would laugh if he had any idea how much traction. I mean that that saying has been has been read all around the world. I mean there's people on my on my Facebook feed from all countries. Um, I've got a a ministry called Saloa, Christ is Lord of All. Chuck Graham is the guy that runs it. He's the director of it, I believe. And uh, I'm not sure what his title is, but Chuck is this Chuck's ministry and runs out of George. He picked up one of my stories one time. And I've been a contributor to this ministry for several years, probably, I don't know, 15, 20 of my stories he's picked up. And he'll put like really nice graphics with them and make it look very professional. And his mailing list goes to over 180 countries. And I forget how many hundreds of thousands of reads they get when you send them out. So that, I mean, that nose to toes saying has literally been sent to, read, in over 180 countries around the world by I don't know how many millions of people. Um, so that's pretty cool. That's outstanding. And, you know, it's we've been we've been sitting here talking for, for about an hour and 20 minutes. We've been talking with Shane Hale. He's, he's from Loosedale, Mississippi, George County Rebels, and played at South Alabama, played with the Baltimore Orioles organization in baseball, st- starred in a, the Major League Two movie. And it, it's been an honor. It's been an honor I've, to I've talk to you tonight, and, and we could keep going for three or four more hours. Oh, I'm sure because we could just pick a topic and go with. Got to tell you one more, one more funny yeah, story. You got more, it, man. You got it. <laughs> this is I, I'm big. I'm big on. I say God's got a sense of humor. I, mean, I really believe he, he does. I mean, there's, there's there's no doubt about that. In my my mind. God's got a sense of humor, and so I always always believe I was going to play play professional baseball, and and I did for for years, and. Uh, yeah, look back now. If I if I could, if I would ask God all those years ago when I was playing, Lord, is the first kid from Loosedale, Mississippi, going to be a hard throwing lefty? Yes, it is. It is. But his last name is going to be Steele. <laughs> <laughs> so I just uh, when Justin when, stuff, when Justin man. when Justin made I hope it up. Justin hears this. Uh, maybe, Justin, maybe, maybe I hope will, you hear it, bro. Maybe will. But he was. But he doesn't. Yeah, you know, he's he's obviously got better location than I've got, and he's you know he he stayed healthier than I could stay. He didn't throw any harder than I threw. But he definitely does a better job of putting it where it's supposed to go, and he's he's having a phenomenal season, and, and I wish him the best of luck. He's, I've never heard a bad thing about Justin. He's a good kid. I know, I know some of his family, um, but he's 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 a good kid. I wish him success. But it's just I, you know, me and the way my mind works. It's like if I'd ask, ask God, 
you know, is it going to be a hard-throwing lefty? Sure is. And then you fast forward all these years, like, Lord, you told me it's going to be a hard-throwing lefty. Well, it, 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 it is. It just ain't going to be you. <laughs> so, but he gave, me, he gave me a good platform to work with from there. And, and I, I'd never – one of the real quick, I'll wrap this up. But I, I, never, I never questioned – I left baseball on my own terms. I never got released. I finished my seven seasons up. I decided I was tired of being hurt and being broke and had some other offers from other teams to come back, back and play. I just didn't want to. My heart wasn't in it. I didn't, I didn't have it in me to, to train like I knew I needed to. And the biggest thing, the biggest bearable joy was I just I didn't think I was ever going to stay healthy. I had to accept the fact that I was just always going to be broken down. I'm getting older. Why am I suddenly going to all of a sudden have this great health? It's probably not going to happen. So, you know, left baseball and moved on. But I was never bitter about it. But I didn't really look back at it. But occasionally, as time went by, I would ask, you know, like, okay, Lord, why did you open so many doors for me, bring so many people into my life, and make so much happen to get me so close. Maybe triple A roster. Flew to Rochester. Never threw a pitch. Supposed to start second game. Elbow started hurting. Put me on an airplane. Sent me back to Florida. Never threw a pitch. And you know, every level but the big leagues. Why'd you take me so far and just say no? And so I'm I'm, I'm riding along with it. This is only a couple of years ago, and the, and the question kind of popped into my mind again. I'm kind of pondering it. Never got an answer. And out of the blue, I didn't hear an audible voice, but it was just as plain as day. I never needed a ball player. I needed a man with a story and a man that would tell it. And so I rode along for about, I don't know, a minute, I guess, and I said out loud, okay. And I've never asked that question again. And, you know, so that's 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 fair enough. I didn't need the ball, I need a ball player. I need I need I need the platform. I need the story. I need you to go tell it. And that's where a lot of the writing and stuff comes from. I mean, God gave me a platform to work with. Uh, people find the baseball aspect interesting. Like you know, you're not sitting here talking today. I mean, it's just baseball to me. Still big stuff, still fun, but it it opens a lot of doors and it gives you I won't say credibility, but it makes you at least a little bit interesting. And you start having conversations with people, and you know that kind of leads to other stuff, leads to stories about life, and it kind of gives you opportunity to share what's going on in your life. And people relate. To, okay, well, that guy's not just a ball player. He 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 has the same things that going on in his life I do with mine. And here's here where he found. Here's where he found. Um, hope and grace and 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 fullness and etc. Through through God, so it it kind of opens the door for those kind of conversations. And um, you know, I'm thankful to have it. I'm thankful to have it. It's real experiences with real stories, and 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 it comes from comes from your. I keep saying this comes from your heart and and the strength and courage that you have to share your successes and your failures, and 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 you know and and that's what that's what good people are all about. And and that's why people visit your page consistently, and I, and I invite and encourage people to to watch this batter's box on Shane's Facebook page, Shane Hale, and my Mobile Baseball Connection on Facebook, and 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 if you and go back to it, go back to it and share it with others because this has been a good story, all bunched into one, and it's it's been again, like I say, a complete honor for you to come down here and share these stories about South Alabama, Loosedale, George County, your faith and beliefs, the Baltimore Orioles, the, the movie Major League Two. We can go on and on. And, and if we was going to be here three more hours, we we could we could write Plus that book going. and do it. <laughs> <laughs> always, always something to talk about. You, you didn't have to twist my arm to get me here. That was, you know, <laughs> come be on a podcast? Yeah, sure. I'll come. I'll, I'll talk. Well, again, with the Mobile Mobsters, uh, uh, we just want to try to continue to do what we can for, for this for the local community in baseball and, and promote baseball the way we can. 
And that's what this show is all about, everybody. You listeners, I hope you can continue to, to, to tune in to the Batters Box on WNSP Now. You can find it. You can go to the website, WNSP website, and look up a podcast, and it'll take you to it. And, or go to my Facebook page, Mobile Baseball Connection, or Shane Hales for this particular uh, segment. And it's, it's, it's been a good thing. And Shane, any last words of inspiration for our listeners out there? Oh man, put me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> uh, just, I, I would say from from, batter an, up, man, from, an batter ins- up. from an inspiration point, it's just you got to take each day um, one day at a time. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Sometimes I know for me personally, it's like let's just live this day five minutes at a time. Let's just do it five minutes at a time because it's some days. Some days it gets tough, but you know when you give God access. I, I say this often: give God access to your life. And if you give God access to your life, you can give me a whole life. Give him a piece of it. Give him a consistent piece of it. And watch what he does and that peace you give to him. And then give him some more. And there's there's no denying. You start giving him consistent. There's 15 minutes to read your devotional in the morning time. Or I'm going to make the commitment to go to church on Sunday. Or I'm going to join a small group. If you'll do that and do it consistently, write down what you hear. I promise you, you'll be amazed what he does with that part of your life. And you'll want to give him more. Well, Shane, I got to tell you. You stepped up to the plate, into the batter's box, and you you ripped that one right back where it came from. And I appreciate it. <laughs> I, appreciate I appreciate you having me. It's been fun. It's been it, fun. It has been great. It, it, I've been with Shane Hale tonight. This is Joey Warner with the batter's box, and we've had a we've had a, a great night with Shane Hale. And what we're going to tell you now is we're going to sign out.